You're listening to Theology Untucked with Tim and Caleb. Our aim, as always, is to help the people of God understand, love, and enjoy the Word of God. For more information, visit us at theologyuntucked.com. Thank you for listening to Theology Untucked with Tim and Caleb. What is faith? Now, here are your hosts and theologians profundus, Tim and Caleb. Profundus. Deep, profound. Is that like some kind of cheese? Yes, it's a very delicious cheese. (laughs) Uh, Theologians profundus, deep and profound. It is what we aim at, and often when we intend to dive deep, we end up well, sometimes it goes so deep we hit our heads right up on the bottom and have to come up for a while, but sometimes not quite as deep as we imagine. Uh, but tonight we are looking forward to a really awesome topic, one of my ultimate favorite topics, uh, not simply because of how complicated it is, because it's really not that complicated, but simply because of how many times it is mistaught in our churches. Well, it's it's not complicated except for when it is Correct. It gets complicated when it's wrong. And that's kind of one of those things. So this is a unique episode and something that's going to be a lot of fun to interact with. Um, We have both recorded our own individual episodes on this that were much shorter uh, and released before this. And then this uh, this is us together discussing the same topic. So we both had very different approaches to the topic. And uh, tonight we're going to have uh, Caleb leading us out a bit more, and I'm going to sprinkle myself up on in here. And we're going to interact with this concept of what is faith. And hopefully by the time we get to the end of this episode, we will indeed show that we are theologians profundus, even though I don't even think that's the right declension of that word, because I don't know Latin. I'm, it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> that's right. Because it, it's Latin a word either. that would never use anyway. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't even think, like, Jerome would use that word. <laughs> no, not unless it was in the Hebrew or the Greek. Ah, uh, so, well... I was talking about the on. rapper Jerome. Oh, got it, yes. I'm sorry. Here I was way too much into church history. I don't know if there's a rapper named Jerome. I, I'm just assuming. I should be. Um, No, so, yeah, if, uh, if uh, you have listened to... Uh, Tim's and then also my rendition. Basically, what we're asking everybody to do is uh, um, really kind of compare um, to, uh, you know, if you, if you are a note taker, I was actually even uh, making notes during during Tim's podcast, um, and I was wanting to I was wanting to see kind of these talking points that um, we were going to hit on that were going to be the same, um, the areas where and when I would say that we're different, maybe you know the approach was different, mm-hmm. um, but also too, um, you know, I'll, I'll, we want to hear from the listeners on on, on your thoughts, um, uh, not comparison who's better. Yeah, or we worse, know we already or, know that. We we're interested yeah. in other stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we we know who that is. We we just want to hear you basically see how two different people are going to approach um the biblical text and and talk about this issue um so i don't know about you 
Tim, but yeah, I would say that um, we end up landing in in the same place. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely different approaches. I'm really glad that we did not talk about method before we mm -hmm. went to the discussion because I think that's where the personality of the theologian shows through, uh, and the approach, and even the the different influences that we've had in our past, maybe even different. Uh, parts of this that we've had to correct or help people with and that certainly showed up in the things that we emphasized i i know that for me uh, a lot of it came down to having to for several years deal with such a surface level concept of faith being almost on on semantic range the exact same thing as confession as if just agreeing with things equals salvation and so pushing that deeper is something that I spent many years doing uh, for people uh, that were very frustrated with that kind of teaching. Mainly, I know God put me in that situation because that was me, you know, when I was a teenager. And so, you know, trying to grow up past that, trying to get up over that was really difficult. And uh, I was very very grateful when I finally did, but it definitely informed my approach. How about for you? Um, <clears throat> well, talk, talking about, about faith with, with other people. So, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been a pastor, but, um, it is something that I talk about a, a great deal. Um, and I just, uh, always see these contorted faces, um, like that doesn't make sense. And I, I'm like, that's right. It, it really doesn't. But because it's an antithesis to what the world teaches. Like, what do you mean I can't do anything? Um, I, I, I found that it was interesting. So, you know, you talk about, you know, confession liturgy. Um, you use that language, um, which was different language. But, you know, like when I'm talking about religious activity, it's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of talking about the same thing that, um, our religious activity is is not going to save us, um, and it's not that God doesn't honor religious activity. Right. He absolutely get, uh, honors um, religious activity. It, it's that religious activity isn't isn't going to save us. Um, and, and you know, so I, you know, when when I study from from being a uh, historian and, and studying church history. You know, you kind of see as the Reformation, they're they're moving further and further from this um, liturgy and more into this relationship type right. language. Right. Um, but you also end up; it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you're Pentecostal or Baptist or High Church Calvinist. It, we all end up kind of making the same mistakes and end up creating our own liturgy um you know even even the gnostic new age heretical church has a lingo oh, and yeah. like they don't i mean they change the definition to the words um and they mean something different every five minutes but they still have a liturgy right um it, it won't save us yeah um their cool language no will not save us i the, the fact that i could say Theologians profundus will not save us. Listening to Latin mass will not save you any more than listening 
to English Mass. I, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, Vatican II might have some words <laughs> to say to you about that, but <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um. But you know, we can get. It, it, and we're we're kind of making fun um, a, a little bit, we, and we can certainly make fun of our own traditions <clears throat> traditions as well. Um, but I I just see that we kind of end up making the same mistakes. Um, yep. So I'm not judging because when I when I look inside my heart, um, and and I think about how Paul tells us to work out our our salvation and in fear and trembling. But fear and trembling is a lot of what I did to get to the point where I'm at now, um, which I, you know, I'm, I'm in a good, confident place, but I also know life's coming. I, I know that there's hurt coming and pain coming. Um, right. I also know that I handle that hurt and pain a lot differently than I did, um, when I was younger, I, I think that that's an important part. And if you listen to our previous episode on that, um, you know, people will, will come and talk, man, how, how can you talk about, or, or, or other people to like talk about these things? Uh, sometimes it's that it insults people. They're like, how can you let, like, just talk about it? Like so flippantly, like, and it's like, you know, I'm not, not being flippant. It, it's just that it, it doesn't affect me anymore. It happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think that's all of us. Uh, um, no, no matter how big or small you, you put these types of categories of hurt uh, and pain, they make our faith really, really strong. They certainly um, do. And I, I, I and, think the uh, one of the things that as I was – uh, working through definitions of things. I, I definitely come at things a little bit more systematic. Um, and so in, in defining things, I kind of get bogged down into ensuring right definition and, uh, and things like this. And I think one of the things that I certainly left out of my presentation and um, is understandable based on just kind of how I interact with definitions as it is, uh, was how life actually affects our faith. You know, it's not that we just get to these three levels of, you know, uh, knowing what the content of faith is, agreeing with the content of faith's reality, um, but actually trusting uh, in the one Savior who came and died for us on our behalf and things like this. Um, Every single day that faith is affected by our circumstances, by what we do, by what is done to us by what we've seen is done to others. Uh, It affects every area of our perception of faith as well as our actually living it out. Um, And by living it out, I don't mean just, you know, things in agreement with the law. I just mean every day that comes, whether it is through suffering or whatnot, the testing of our faith continues to make it deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes the ease upon our faith uh, the times of comfort, the times of simplicity will make us go far shallower in our faith. And we got to be aware of that. And that, that is certainly something that I overlooked uh, in talking about these. Um, of course, if, if you know me, 25 minutes spent on the topic of what is faith, uh, it's amazing I even got the definition out in that amount of time, let alone the uh, the applicable, <laughs> the applicable sides of it. So um, 
anyhow, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things that uh, is important to define, but it's even more important to to watch how we interact with it in life and how life interacts with it. So one of the quotes I got from you, Tim, that I wanted you to kind of expand on, um, you, you talked about how we're sold this concept or faith or salvation. Um, expand on that uh, on... I don't know whether whether it's from a from a personal ideal or and I and I think I'm just trying to think about the the biblical authors and the thing that Paul's addressing all of these churches. It just I can just kind of kind of see them and and knowing that Paul had been there too and and struggling over these things and the way that he speaks to them um, because they were getting. Um, they were buying a lie about what faith was mm-hmm. and, and hearing a lot of voices um, from whether it was the Gnostics or the Judaizers or the pagans. Um, expand on that. Which quote exactly were you referring that to? You said we're sold this concept of faith and salvation. Um, and then you asked the question, what makes us different? Right. Yeah, and and I've found over the years that that's that's the most helpful question, uh, at least in my experience, to ask somebody. You know, we have, um, you know, and it was even confused in our doctoral class yesterday <laughs> about this this concept. And we're not going to no get comment. into that. Don't no, don't get me started no on that. No comment. Um, but that there is something that is basically different about the Christian faith. We are not simply putting forth a concept about God, um, true or not. Is is even the fir- that's not even related to the latter stages of faith. That's just the first parts of faith. Um, we 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 understand these things to be true. We we trust that they are true. But then we actually devote ourselves uh, to the true God, the true and one living God, um, and. It is, it is not our faith that saves. And that's really what I was getting at there. And one of the reasons why I'm glad we have this expanded, uh, this, this expanded discussion. Because it, to, to imagine that we, as long as we just trust God enough, that that trust is going to save me, is, is a misunderstanding even of what Christian reliance is. Uh, and a placing of faith on the strength of our faith. The reality is that God is the object of our faith. That is what makes all the difference. Uh, the reality is that God, as the one true living God, uh, not only is the one who came, not only is the one who died and rose again and all of these things, but that through trusting in him, through being devoted to him, he, in his grace, saves us. And so that's why I was attempting to explain that that faith is essentially an, an open hand that receives grace. It is not it is not uh, a, a rope thrown to heaven that pulls grace down or any such thing. Faith actually in and of itself has no power. And so when I was saying that there is something different about our faith, it is that we actually do nothing to accomplish salvation, not even faith. Faith itself is described as a gift, but faith, even if it wasn't described as a gift, which it clearly is in Ephesians 2, it's simply a receptacle 
for the actual thing that's doing the saving, which is God's grace. That's one of the areas that I see how the approachers were so different. I, you know, I, as I was studying the, just the Greek, the Greek grammar, which I'm, I'm sorry, y'all, I know that was really boring, but I just, I just thought it was amazing ever, ever since I've ever seen that. But because the whole idea of just the grammar alone, what it ends up doing is it points, it points you back to someone else's work right. that, that it, it wasn't about, it wasn't about Abraham. It never was about Abraham. It was never about the law. It, it was about God's faithfulness. Um, that's always been, that's always been will. one of the most central tests I have for any doctrine. And, and we, you know, we've been talking, uh, kind of casually today, texting back and forth about doctrine and kind of its centrality in the Christian faith. And one of the, one of the tests that I've always handed to people, um, you know, that, that haven't, a, a theological education and, but man, they bounce around on the internet and they see, you know, this belief there, or that belief there or whatnot and go, well, how, how can I, how can I test the veracity of something like this? If, you know, they got a, a verse here, a verse there. I mean, you know, yeah, it's just all, all sorts of people got verses for all sorts of things. And I said, you know, the first test that I put to any new teaching I've ever heard, uh, I always put one test to it. And it usually does a real good job at weeding out all the crap. Uh, and that is asking the question, where does the glory go? And if it goes to man, or if it goes to anything other than God, I can darn near assure you it has nothing to do with the scriptures, even if you could proof text it. And so when it comes down to the definition of faith, again, if the glory is going to man and his faith and how much he's able to work himself up into trusting God, you're off. The glory goes to God. He is the effectuator. He is the saving one. He is the savior. Uh, it's literally what it means. He's the one that does it. Um, but then people get the contorted face and they're like, so does that mean I don't have to believe? Or... <laughs> that mean everybody get to go? It means God doesn't care about anything, right? Yeah, that's that's not what it means at all. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that, what that would means. also destroy God's glory in not just in salvation, but in wrath. But that will be a whole episode of its own sometime in the future. So what makes us different? is not we wear skinny jeans and have a fog machine for our worship service. Well, any that jeans does. I own instantly become skinny <laughs> jeans due to uh, <laughs> my ability to fill out just about everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, that that's funny. I don't have an option, honestly. <laughs> they just don't make jeans They're the way they used to. all skinny jeans. You know, I hated the way they looked they're, back they're in the 90s. You remember, those, you remember those big, huge, baggy jeans that were a thing for like a year or oh, two? Oh, yeah. The yeah. MC Hammer pants? Yeah, the ones that you could just like disappear into. You just kind of look like you're walking around in a denim tarp. Yeah. Z Cavaricis? Part of me wishes those caught on. <laughs> you could just hide in them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, I guess not. Not too flattering. Look like... I, I mean, I got a red shirt on right now. And I walked in the house earlier, and my my wife and child yelled, Kool-Aid! Oh, jeez. 
<laughs> everyone <laughs> everyone loves being compared to the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> you just need to walk into the room. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. COVID's been been tough on the belly. But anyway, back, so back to, to faith. faith. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also I, I, just another one of the notes that that I um, that I made is we find ourselves in this broken world. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but but it's filled with all of this tension. Um, and so as I've grown more mature in in my faith that I I just I, I take I take more comfort in the tension. Um, not that I like it, um, but I I understand it. That there's something about there's something about pain that makes me know that first of all I'm alive in this world. Um, mm. I'm not I'm not dreaming. It's not that I like pain, but um there, there's something about the tension that we need to be aware of. I'm not going to say like embrace it, like, like love it, but it, it's something that, that we need to be aware of. Um, that the world's dying. People are dying. We are dying. We're, I mean, we're literally dying and going to die. Um, and man, I, being, being in a pastor role, um, at just being a disciple and, and getting older in general, you deal with a lot of death. Yep. I mean, how, can you count how many funerals that you've done and or been to? Uh, probably if I sat down to work it out for a while. Um, more than but, I'd more than I'd like, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, there's ever been to a fun funeral? Yes, one. It mm. was a weird experience, um, but this person was very ready to go and uh, just so looking forward to going home. Um, yeah. and it was that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was a very unique experience. Um, not one I presided over, um, but uh, one I attended. Um, but yeah. I my first funerals were were rough ones. Um, you know, you, you're not supposed to do like th there's a whole set of rules if you're not familiar for for pastors of uh, you know funerals to avoid for your first ones. Things like friends and uh, infants and so forth. And unfortunately, in my first five funerals, were made up of all sorts of a smattering of those. Um, and that that was that was a trial by fire to be sure. So it kind of put a taste in my mouth for for doing funerals that just hits you right in the face um and so even the way i do funerals is is just it's it's informed by that it, it keeps this and you you say tension i i say it in almost every single funeral i've done is that that christians are in such a unique situation in fact that they they live with a foot in two different worlds mm -hmm. you know on the one hand we have responsibilities focuses temporal loves here and yet on the other hand we belong to a kingdom not of this earth you know, we have one foot in eternity, one foot here on this earth, and and we're trying to stand in the gap between these, and it leads to this frustration. We experience loss, and yet we have all this hope, 
and we have all this sorrow and yet we know it will be resolved we have all these tears but one day they'll be wiped away and it's just this back and forth that that uh you have to wrestle with and struggle with and it affects your faith it just does um for good or bad and and, and yeah. that's one of my goals in funeral uh officiating is to ensure that for those who call upon the name of the lord this funeral will affect them towards the good in that because i'm aware that funerals affect us whether we're used to them or not is irrelevant they're going to affect us every single one of them just like a hammer blow on an anvil it's just gonna eventually cause a, a change in shape of our soul so we uh, 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 faith's not intellectual ascent basically we've talked about this how however that's necessary <laughs> it, like you talk about like you talk about three steps and yep. you know it's like well, and it should be it should go without saying, but I mean, you'd be you'd be really surprised um, because you know that there I'll have some um, and and you know I am Baptist. I go to a Baptist church, but I've been in talks with with other um, Baptists that will um, well well you don't believe in once saved always saved, and I. And I'm I'm always trying to bring bring the conversation away from like the religious activity language, but because I want to I want to hear. Tell me what that looks. Tell me what you think that that is. Mm-hmm. Once saved, always saved. Um, and of course, so like my you know my next question, really simple one: Do you believe the gospel? Well, what do you mean? Do right. I believe the gospel? Of course, or, and, I, I, mean, I went got, to church on uh, Sunday. <laughs> well, but I mean, the, the, and so I've literally had people say, no, like, I don't believe everything hmm. in the Bible's gospel, and I don't believe, you know, Jesus was this or that, And but they're mad at me because I don't believe in once saved, always saved. Yeah. Um, a sign that you've just bumped into someone's tradition. So, so that's that. These are the things that I, that I'm talking about. Of, of, it's not that every church, every tradition has a has a lingo, has a language that they use, whether they're wearing hipster skinny jeans or not. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's things that we say, and and it just it's part of the human, the the way God created the human brain for for us to understand and learn languages and we kind of mimic and we say the same things of people around us but words have meaning and so um and so it's not that liturgy's bad it, it has its place because words have meaning and and, meaning um, and has so we effects. let those right right and and so it is a it is a head and heart deal uh one of the most uh brilliant things i ever said really simple statement that the the longest journey that a man's ever going to make is from his head to his heart. Hmm. Um, and that's so true. And uh, Matt Chandler calls it the like the gospel drop. That like he just talks about <laughs> like how gravity, but it's coming from your brain, and it, like when it drops into your heart, um, when it gets real. And all this stuff you've been doing as a kid, whatever point that was in, in your life, and you hit this point where you're just like, oh, um, which I've had several of the moments. 
Um, it that's the gospel. That's from the head to the heart. That that's, and that's nothing I did. That's nothing we did. Right. It's um, not. It's not working ourselves up to care about it more. Um, no. Again, again, I I I draw us back to that test. Where does the glory go? And, mm-hmm. and if it's just about us working ourselves up about it, I'll tell you, as someone who pursued that for a long, long time, that doesn't work. It just doesn't. It, we we cannot save ourselves by making our faith higher. You know, I, th- there is a, there is a man in the Gospels that you know Jesus came to him and was talking to him about the nature of faith and that if you believe these things, they certainly can accomplish these things. And the man just calls out to Jesus, Lord, I do believe, but, you know, what does he say? Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. You know, I, I can't make it more. I can't do it. And, and the, the very calling out to Christ was itself faith, which is what Jesus responds to right away, you mm-hmm. know, and it it is this, it, it, and and that's kind of the thing is how can you make this happen? You can't make this happen. God does this, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, the the question comes up all the time. You know, who who then can be saved? And what is Jesus' answer to that one? I think it's an, an end of Matthew seven with man. This is not possible. No, it's not Matthew seven. It's somewhere else. Anyway, it's it's right there in the center of Matthew somewhere, and and he's saying this. Um, you know, with man it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The, the these, this is something that God Himself does, and and I think that's that's one of the reasons why we need to be careful about defining it as something we can work ourselves up to, uh, which is why I spent a lot of time on that. It's not just agreeing with something. It's not just mm-hmm. knowledge about knowing something. That, if you want to define it as 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 you know a, a gospel drop from head to heart, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's, it's just not something that you can listen to the right songs or uh, the right sermon or, you know, get the right doctrine or the right people in your life. And all of a sudden it'll just happen. It's either God doing it or it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm as staunchly monergistic as it comes on that one uh, because it, it, it's so straightforward with regards to salvation. It's not something that we actually do although we are the ones through which it is done <laughs> which is confusing but at least it's in the right order so let me ask you a question we're talking about uh let's another conversation that's in in the in the bible with an, jesus has with another guy um and it's language that we use in the church about what so explain this idea of what does it mean to be born again yeah you know nicodemus actually asked a very legitimate question you know G- jesus like you know you, you have to be born again mm-hmm. he's like well, i'm might crawl back into my mother's womb yeah. i mean that's a it's a legitimate question right oh yeah um because it's, it, was it so sounds f- weird it, it's weird um but it's a legitimate question it's like what do you mean born again yeah um, that which is born of the spirit, spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Right. Um, I just you know I I teach a class on pneumatology on Thursday nights, and mm. um, we actually just discussed that passage mm-hmm. um, this past week. 
uh, and I, I didn't even tell you about that, but yeah, there in John three, that focus on the spirit doing these things, the flesh is no help at all. He actually says later on in the gospel of John mm-hmm. is the spirit who gives life. It is the flesh is of no help at all. You know, when, when he says you must be born both of water and of the spirit, you know, born from your mother, born of the spirit, basically saying Nicodemus, you want to know how to be born again? Let me ask you, how were you born the first time? You know, what did you do to make it happen? Nothing. Nothing. It, 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 that was through the will of man. But this this regeneration, this being born, not only does it have nothing to do with you coming and making it happen, it mm. doesn't come from the will of man at all. Mm-mm. It comes from God. And... It is the spirit of God who does this because what we are talking about here is not life like normal life. This is eternal life. This is the life giver himself, the spirit of the Lord, who who brooded over the, the, the watery deep in Genesis 1-2, who, who overshadowed, same word by the way, brooded over Mary uh, at, at, at her conception of Jesus and brought forth this life, who enabled jesus to do these miracles not just enabled him like gave him special things but through the power of the spirit carried out these miracles by the will of the father all of these things because the spirit is the life giver he is the one who comes and does these things and that is god's role and in salvation if we merely see it as just this one-dimensional once saved always saved or one-dimensional i'm going to heaven when i die we are going to miss why it's so important that we define that it is god who does these things because we are simply seeing it as something for us rather than he is life itself coming into our dead bodies and raising us to a newness of life then we can start talking about salvation uh, mm-hmm. And and that's that's why faith is is the way it is here. It's not just knowledge, not just agreeing, it's not even just you working yourself up to trust. It is God pulling your corpse out of a tomb and saying walk. And all of a sudden you look at yourself and you say, look, my feet are hitting the ground. That must be why I'm not in a tomb anymore because my feet are walking. No, you're not in the tomb anymore because God birthed you into a new life now you're walking don't be proud (laughs) be thankful well and it it also should remind us too um i I, so i'm not making fun of any specific tradition here uh, because we can all make this mistake um the idea of treating the holy spirit like a genie in the bottle um oh yes very very dangerous um very dangerous place to be um i from from personal experience um it's a dangerous place to be i i don't i i respect my charismatic brothers and sisters um, not calling anything into question um, ab- about about their faith. Um, I've just seen some dangerous things happen to people, um, and it, it, 
it's very, very much what I, I, I guess I see the repeated theme of this lording over of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, to a few or one or, or other people um, who are actually, you know, <laughs> interpreting the Bible intellectual, by intellectual assent and saying that it's Holy Spirit and, and interpreting things in a very um, dangerous way. Mm. Um, because they can't make you born again. Just just because they say things a certain way. Right. Um they do a lot of they do a lot of damage. Um because I, I just I, I know so many of them that have left the faith because of it. Right. Um I think that's one of the I think that's one of the deepest problems of the American church is is our our concept of the Holy Spirit honestly and yeah. and i have grown increasingly more aware of this uh in the past couple of years uh, i have taught a couple of classes on pneumatology i'm currently a year and a half into uh, a walk through genesis to revelation on every single reference of the holy spirit um because i i found that to be the most exegetically it's a difficult very Oh yes, I mean very much so. But I mean, we are only just now, this week, getting to the day of Pentecost, and yeah. most people, when they talk about the Spirit of the Lord, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, only talk about Him like Acts two and later, as if as if this was a new part of the story. Correct. Um, it the 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 story of the Holy Spirit starts in Genesis. Um, it it's all throughout the Bible. Yes, it um, is. And. And this is the dangerous part. Part of the reason why Tim and I are doing what we're doing is um, we don't want to build a full theology around a couple of Bible verses no. or or something somebody else says, whether it was your papa or not. Um, I, I mean, I love papa, but papa wrong a lot. Um. <laughs> I tell you, you know, growing up in Mississippi, I there's there's parts of Mississippi, a lot of it that I really miss. I do not miss the references to the elder generation being as bizarre as they are, Peepaw and Meemaw and all that. I just <laughs> Peepaw, she called me TT Peepee. <laughs> what? Man, I, is that your dog? No, that's my name. That's what my baby's called. Yeah, me. I, don't, I don't miss that in the least. That is one of the parts of Southern tradition I've never understood. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not all of them, but yeah, we sure was just, where I was. It was, I, I, but it, yeah, it's it's pretty common. That, one of the things that that I, I guess it was really weird at first, but you call everybody out of respect, Miss So and So or Mister So and So. Yep. Um, and they even maybe might be younger than you, but I mean, you you know, if they're um, it just kind of it, it's it's what you do. It's, yeah, it it's took a years. Term of endearment. It took years before I stopped doing it when I moved to Boston, and a lot of strange looks. Absolutely, <laughs> nobody was used to it when I moved up there. Yeah, and so like it, even so, like when I write my emails and stuff. So you know, I work for a global company, and I mean, I do this, and then I'll be like, oh, man, I hope I didn't." In fact, Miss Sonia. Dr. Valentino's wife. I'd sent her an email and I called her Miss Sonia. I hope I hope she knows like 
that that's like a respectful thing. And but it is weird because I don't really like you know Drayton now. My daughter's got her friends coming around and Mister Mister Caleb. And that's the other thing. It's it's Mr. Miss and then first name. It's not last name. It's not like Mr. Yep. Brown. That Mr. Caleb. And I'm like, ooh, that is weird. What do you think, Mr. Tim? Uh, nobody calls me that. Uh, uh, they will when you come there, in. So there, there was only one little girl in our church who used to call me uh, all the time. And she, she, she started when she was like three years old. And she couldn't pronounce Mr. Tim because there's too many T's in it. And so she just shortened it and combined it together, and it was Miss Tim. Miss Tim. And so for years and years, she just called me Miss Tim. And I was one of the cutest you know, things. The Bible says something about men wearing dresses. Yeah, I know. But, man, Ms. it was Tim. one of the cutest things ever. And I just, I she was my daughter's age, and well, still is. You know, and just, I, I can't, I, I could never correct her. I, it was just one, it was amazing. I love that nickname. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Because all I could ever see is her without those uh, those front teeth, just trying to pronounce it, Miss Tim. <laughs> she was still trying to say Mister. All right, last question yep. before we close out for the evening. Because I, this may be a whole episode. So why do, do. You, why do you think that God gave the covenant law to Abraham of? circumcision and not like just like a new haircut or something oh gosh on episode now, I, that's its own show I, that is funny quite but but i do have a i do have a i've thought about this um okay i have a i have a thought a theory the really a good theory wanna, not a funny theory this isn't a connection to this question i'm really curious let's let me hear well, it. I, I mean that well because i get asked this question a lot about sure um well and, and you know what brought me there and, and reminded me of it because you brought up Philippians three, yeah, oh yeah, and faith and uh, we are know. the true circumcision, right? <laughs> yeah, he used some pretty strong language, like he calls he he calls them mutilators of the flesh. Yep, yep. It's not uh, as strong language as he picks up in Galatians, where he says, "For those oh, who yeah. think they can perfect themselves by circumcision, I hope uh, I hope you lop off a lot more than just the tip." Uh, that's, that's just one of the most impressive parts of the new Testament. <laughs> so, uh, it, why do you think, why do you think that that was the law given? And I, and I think I'm right. I, in fact, I, maybe I'll write my dissertation on this. I've got like 37 different dissertations. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of work done in the area. Um, but it, as I mean, it, it, let me hear what direction you're going first before I respond to that. I would like to hear your direction first. I don't want to. I believe, I believe that the one of the practical thing. I don't believe that God, when anytime Jesus performs a miracle, does anything, it has some practical practical reasoning behind it. There's not just some sensational thing happening or a law that's given that doesn't have some speak to maybe that culture. It may be totally foreign to us, but it yeah. I'm I'm of the belief that it has some practical symbolic meaning. And so I would say with circumcision, it's about protecting the vulnerable. Interesting. Explain. Okay. Who is the most vulnerable 
in the ancient Near Eastern culture during this time. Widows would have been a significantly vulnerable population. Okay, so widows. Uh, let's generalize it a little bit more. Women. Women, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's where I'm going with this. Okay. Okay. You want to, like, try to figure out where I'm going Man, with it? Man, I, I am trying to figure out your connection to the discussion of what is faith. So, no, okay. I'm, I'm going to send what, this how can you, different roads. How can, how can you tell um, an Israelite from an Edomite from uh, in the ancient Near Eastern world? Can can you? Uh in well some some of them through skin tone hair design and things like this but no the most clear way would be they uh, look they look the same right yeah roughly so yes yeah yeah so 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 you know uh ruth for example um you know one of the which i believe is a courting ritual um uncovering the feet Mm -hmm. was a euphemism for you know looking at the looking at the stuff but now take that idea of circumcision and it kind of makes sense if if god's have it has a people that he's keeping separate protected i mean if you get a haircut anybody else can get another haircut but you have to um all the language of not um exposing your nakedness it just Mm kind of strategically practically makes sense now i could be there's nothing in the biblical text this is what some of this stuff's really fun i don't know this i haven't read any this is just me talking yeah so does it it make sense yeah oh i i know which direction you're going with it i guess my question would be then why not something more obvious like maybe a fingertip because people can see a fingertip because here's another thing we know that older other cultures eventually ended up starting cir- started circumcising yeah the, our culture themselves. for one we right, right but i'm saying it even happened in the ancient near east right 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 so um the point being it, it, circumcision and then it, it gets to be by the 1st century it, it's not just being separated from faith for a reason, it really doesn't have any practical purpose like it did right. originally. Right. So, like I said, this is me just talking sure. and thinking all these things. Yep. No, and and I would I would I would um, agree that there certainly is a a certain fealty to that. Um, the uh, I would be curious to the interactions uh, of, of the references to the circumcising yeah. of hearts. Um, because there is there is specific reference made to that, um, both both in the Old Testament as well as as well as certainly in the New Testament. Goodness, you know where that's. But what, I think he's talking to 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 symbolic language. Well, of because course, he, we know they're not talking about cutting anything off the heart. No, <laughs> but he's talking about a literal circumcision. But it it was what was behind that circumcision. Correct. Correct. It's like these are my people. Um, hmm. This is. And and of course you know you know you have Moses um, that is raised as an Egyptian and then like you know he's coming back to Egypt to right. lead, to lead him out on the Exodus so I don't know I it it's just an interesting thing I I don't really want to do my whole dissertation of five hundred pages writing about cut off skin of penises but 
it really is an interesting thing. I don't know why I like that. It is it is a fascinating thing because it it's one of those it's one of those areas that certainly was contentious in the early church. I mean, you have an entire book in in the New Testament that's written to combat the idea that this is required of Christians. Uh, that's the book of Galatians, if you're not familiar. That's correct. Um, and if it was that contentious in the early church, uh, it it meant something to Jews who were claiming to be Christians to such degree that they put it on the level of or above Christ. That that does show us something. Um, and I would be curious as to as to see just how deep and why it was so deep of an issue for uh for especially the judaizers as as paul refers to them um and and why the entire jerusalem council was almost essentially convened to address that topic um and and how how important it was to uh not lay such burdens on uh on gentile believers um, nor on Jewish believers, honestly, you know, being circumcised or not circumcised doesn't accomplish anything. Right. Um, and it is, I got some theories on the Jerusalem council and some papers I've written on that too, but that'll be a talk for another time. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean that the whole, the very first councils at this very idea. And, and the point being is just think, think about the discussion. If you, if you grew up in a church tradition, especially in the Baptist, the stupid things that we'll fight over, oh yeah, and that we'll put emphasis on. Um, I don't know. I've seen people leave church over some of the dumbest things. Um, um, I personally been the target of people leaving uh, a church I was pastoring for a whole myriad of things. It I, was the skinny jeans. I was. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, nobody has ever left over my attire. At least, not that I knew of. Uh, I had I had uh, family tell me once that I I preached from the scriptures too much and they were looking for more stuff that was practical. <sighs> my um, goodness, yeah, too much too much Bible in my sermon. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. that was, you know, it, deal, it, it was my earlier days when time. when I wore something like that as a badge of pride and honor uh, rather than just as a reason to mourn uh, such foolishness. Um, I was but, told that one time, and so the next time I was asked to speak, I just got up and, and read Romans 8. Nice. That's it. I think we should do that more. I When I when I went through the book of Romans, I spent two and a half years going through it, and every four chapters I stopped. It'll and preach. For, a, for a, an entire service, I read the entire book of Romans. Uh, I did that It'll five preach. different times throughout the book. And, uh, man, I tell you, that there's something to just reading the whole book in its context because how many people actually sit down and do that in a single sitting anymore you know there's actually some guy i'm gonna try to look it up. it was a couple couple of scholars that uh that are and that are pastors that that do this um exposition and and and, and they're just literally it, you know it, it may be colossians it may be romans it may be um, I need to I need to look them up. Maybe we can interview them. It's it's really it's really interesting um, idea. Hmm. I would think that the Bible would preach. Yeah, you know. one would imagine it Paul, would. Paul was okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he was Paul was pretty good. And he didn't say like un anything cool or hip like unhitch the Old Testament or anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I think he had quite an affinity for didn't it. Didn't have actually. a fog machine, but he he could he was okay. Yeah, 
I guess. I mean, we wouldn't hire him on as like you know permanent, but I suppose if he wants to, not a deacon. If he, if he wants to teach like an evening Bible study where only the you know the six the boring kids, people show up to, yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> Just throw him on the kids. I'm like, that's man, not, that'd be an honor to me. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Kids are way better than adults. Adults <laughs> stink sometimes. No, I'm playing. We love you too. All right. Well, so, I guess that's all. Yeah, that's, that's all, all we've got I'm, tonight. I'm going to close this in prayer. Thank, uh, thanking God specifically for um, that skinny jeans. S- that that salvation. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep this good here. You <laughs> that, can't edit salvation that part out, does not rest on <laughs> us. It rests on Him. So yeah, let's let's close out thanking the Lord for such things. Yeah. Our Father, we're grateful that. Uh, when we come to you in faith, it is actually you who has raised us up and has given us a heart that desires you above all things. Uh, we awaken to find ourselves walking in a new light, walking in new feet, walking in a new life. And that life trusts you. And it depends on you. And we have new hearts, renewings of minds, and awakened souls. And we depend on you at all times. We trust you, and when you speak, we listen. Not simply because it's right to do, but because now that's what our delight is. And so we see your law, and we we love it. Mm. It's become liberty to us. It actually speaks of life and freedom. We know what it is to truly live. And so we love your law, which is good and like honey on our lips. May it ever be so. We thank you for the faith once given for all people at all times, that we may preach it to the end of this world. And until that comes, Father, may the testing of our faith make us more patient for that great day we look forward to it with an anticipation that is almost inexpressible that we get to share in the sufferings of christ that we get to walk the way of the cross that we get to join that death march because we know on the other side of it, there is resurrection, hope, and life everlasting in your presence. We are grateful for this today. We pray that when we wake up tomorrow, we will be more grateful for it even then. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. And for his sake, may your kingdom come. listening to Theology Untucked. Join us each week as we engage in all things theological, biblical, and cultural. These are the types of conversations we should be having in the church today, and we aim to play our part. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like us to address, or a prayer request, please send them to us. You can reach me at Caleb at TheologyUntucked.com. Or you can reach me at Tim at TheologyUntucked.com. Do note that your prayer requests remain strictly confidential. We will not be sharing them on the show. 
For more information or to support the show, please visit TheologyUntucked.com. Lord's blessings to you all.